0: My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Welcome to my 400th episode. What a milestone. Uh, With 52 weeks in a year, I'm just about 16 episodes shy of eight years of podcasting. I've been referred to as an OG podcaster, old school, an original. And some of my younger podcasting friends, both in episodes and in age, cannot comprehend that I'm still around. And if you'll indulge me for a minute, I did a little research on this. When I launched my podcast in 2014, 15% of Americans listened to at least one podcast in the previous month. Now 41% of Americans have listened to at least one podcast in the previous month. In June of 2015, a full year plus after I started podcasting, there were 206,000 podcasts in existence with only about 84,000 of them active. In the category of Christian podcasts, there are only 39,000 in existence, with only 23,000 of them adding new episodes. That's how they would define them as being active. More than a song was in that number. (laughs) So today, in 2021, there are over 2 million podcasts in existence, with 48 million episodes to choose from. My friends, ask me. How do you keep putting out fresh content for 400 episodes? And my answer is because I keep spending time in God's word, and he keeps revealing himself to me. So I'll keep sharing my process in hopes that others will join in and meet him in the holy text for themselves. And then week after week, I get emails and messages from people saying they're not sure how they found me, but somehow God led them here. And I 100% believe that God led you here today. And statistically, it's staggering if you just happened to find the podcast today, because he wants you to know him and he wants you to accept his offer of right relationship with him. He tells you all about himself and the path to, to restoring right relationship with your creator in the written word of Holy Scripture. But this podcast also wants to meet you where you are listening to Christian music on the radio and your streaming services services and in your churches to inspire you to dig deeper, dive in and learn how to mine the treasure that scripture has to offer you and do that for yourselves. My prayer is that God will give you an unreasonable desire for his word that leads to an unsurpassable relationship with him. You see, I am not the same person I was when I started this podcast. Scripture has transformed the way I think. Leading to a transformation of my behavior and responses. I wish it was more, but it's true. I want to deem important what God deems important. I want to know him for who he really is. Not some image of who I think he should be built up in my mind. Because trust me, my friend, who God is, is much greater than anything I can dream up. So as I celebrate a milestone on the podcast today, I recognize a milestone for a song that has impacted the body of Christ for 20 years. In Christ Alone, sung by Keith and Kristen Getty, written by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, was released in 2001, 20 years ago. It is one of the most popular songs in Protestant churches today. In a 2016 interview, Getty says this, If we're going to build a generation of people who think deep thoughts about God, who have rich prayer lives, and who are the culture makers of the next generation, we need to be teaching them songs with theological depth. I love that. But before we attempt to wade into some of that theological depth, let's listen. In Christ alone, who took a flesh, Fullness of God in helpless bay This gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save Till on the cross, as Jesus died The death of Christ I live. A friend and listener Bill recommended that I use this song both as a celebration of its anniversary and because he was intrigued by a controversy surrounding it that he had heard on another podcast. Al Moeller on the podcast my friend was listening to says, this song is a song that so richly testifies of the saving work of God for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. The words are metrical, the words are beautiful, the words are deeply doctrinal and theological and the tune is memorable. And then Moeller goes on to uncover a controversy that arose around 2012 when a particular denomination wanted to put this song in their printed hymnal if the writers would change one line. They requested at that time uh, the line I just played till on that cross uh, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied and they wanted to change that to till on that cross as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. And as Al Mohler points out, it's the same poetry, but not the same theology and not that the change would have would have made um, either one of them, them an invalid statement. So the love of God really was magnified on the cross, of course. But what they were saying is that they did not believe with the theology surrounding the idea that God's wrath was satisfied on the cross. And so this sent me on a quest to understand why, so that I could understand why I should or shouldn't sing that line in the song. And I'll, I'll try to drag you along on that quest. And I say drag because my retellings and conclusions may be a little bumpy at this point. I'm just beginning. To form some of uh, of my thoughts, and hopefully I can make them clear, but more of that, uh, more than that, for you, I want to remind you of a few things. First of all, uh, our music should not replace our scripture. There is no verse in the Bible that says the wrath of God was satisfied uh, specifically. Really smart people disagree on what that on what saying that implies. And it may be easier to remember the line in the song than to remember scripture itself, but it cannot replace scripture. Second, this should inspire us to discover what scripture actually says. You know, once we spend time here, then we can, in in scripture, then we can more fully comprehend the deeper discussions and applications that we may encounter on our faith journey. And then finally, it's good and right to question what you're singing. There is a line in a song that I love that I cannot sing because it is not true. Interestingly enough, because of my study, when I hear that song, I'm reminded of what actually is true, and I act, and then I rejoice in the truth. Even though that line is totally false, I've, I've captured it. I've harnessed its power, and I have uh, captured that thought in my mind so that I can rehearse what is true. So be discerning. Question what you're singing. Question what you're reading. And for goodness sakes, question me. Always, because I may be 400 episodes in, but I have been transformed in my thinking through eight years of study in God's word, and I definitely still don't know everything. And some things that I think I'm settled on, I have questioned in the past eight years, and some things I've actually changed my mind on. And then there's a few things I was totally settled on that I'm allowing a sense of mystery to wash over me. So again, be discerning in your listening. So let's take on this idea of the wrath of God being satisfied in the death of Christ. And in order to do that, we need to start with Scripture, right? So what does Scripture say about the death of Christ? Well, a lot. We see the language of uh, him taking our place and bearing our sins in First Peter. We learn the cross and resurrection that Jesus um, dethrones the powers in Ephesians. In Hebrews, we see the death and resurrection of Christ ending our shame. We are brought into friendship with God in Second Corinthians. The death of Christ sums up the entire story of Israel as we see in the books of Matthew and Acts. Uh, It began the redemption of the whole creation in Romans chapter 8 and started the recreation of humanity in Romans and 1 Corinthians. So why this flyover of Scripture? Well, because we're going to deep dive into one thought about the death of Christ. And I want to remind you, it's not the only thought. And another reason I'm drawn to this one phrase of the song, Controversy Aside, is that I just read... John chapter 4 in context last week. And when I was pondering the phrase, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. I remembered I read this summary statement written by John in John chapter 3. So if you studied in context last week with me, perhaps you read it too as you interacted with scripture for yourself. John 3, 36 says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Now, I realize that this can make us feel uncomfortable. My youngest daughter says, uncomfy. (laughs) And the idea of God's wrath remaining on anyone makes me uncomfy. But why? Why? Because I don't think I have a very good picture of what God's wrath really is. And I'm going to link to a series of resources in the show notes this week because I spent an inordinate amount of research time listening to podcasts, reading, and pondering what scripture says about the wrath of God. And you can find this week's show notes at michelleknizat.com forward slash 400, or it's in your inbox if you're a subscriber to my email list. And if you want to spend a preposterous amount of time considering the depths of the wrath of God too, you can access all of the same resources I did there. And here's a summary of some of the big ideas that I gleaned from my research. The reason why many of us get uncomfy when, God, when thinking of God's wrath is that we have a very suspect view of anger. We may think of it as abuse or a lack of self-control. But just like fire can be destructive or used to provide heat and warmth, there can be various perspectives and applications of anger, too. Now, perhaps you are a person who believes it is kind to keep your anger in because you believe that anger destroys. Maybe you're one that believes that righteous anger is justified and even necessary to bring about change and justice in areas of great injustice or wrong. You may have come to believe that expressing your anger is not unkind, but rather kind because you let the other person know what you value and what you care about, and to hide that from someone you love Is unkind. And of course, we all know there are healthy and unhealthy ways to express our anger. So I encourage you today to check your anger baggage at the door of Scripture so that you can look at at God's Word closely to discover what it is that actually makes God angry and how that wrath is displayed. And I learned a lot about this from the resources I mentioned that will be linked in the show notes. Uh, a good portion of them come from the Bible Project, uh, their videos, and their podcast. There's a series of podcasts um, that led up to a, their summary of a five in a five-minute video. So you can check those links out in the show notes. As I approach this scripture in John chapter 3 and feel a little tension at the word wrath, I chose to take the BITE of utilizing an outside resource. And in this case, it's my trusty ESV study Bible. Now, BITE, for any new listeners, is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. These are the tools and habits I use to interact with God's Word rather than just read it. And for the most part, I encourage you to read large chunks of Scripture and leave the study Bible for one of the last steps you take. In this case, we're tracking down a specific idea or topic. Exploring a topic is another bite. And uh, also, I've already read this section of Scripture, this big chunk of Scripture in context. Uh, remember, if you remember last week when I was reading chapters 3, 4, and 5, I actually started in chapter 1. So I have personally been sitting in a lo- this section of Scripture for a couple of weeks. Um, So as inspired by our song, we're exploring this idea of wrath. Sometimes they're just questions that we cannot answer on our own without the help of a trusted outside resource. Sometimes there's a word or a phrase that you just don't know what it means. And that's where those study Bibles and commentaries, outside resources that you trust are um very key in helping you move forward in your knowledge and understanding of the word. So when I look down at the study Bible notes on John chapter three verse thirty six, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. When I look at the study notes for this phrase, the wrath of God remains on him, it says this phrase makes clear that unless a person believes in Jesus the Messiah, he or she remains under God's judgment. Then it says CFVV19-21. Okay, so this means to compare or consult these verses together with the current verse. This is also known as a cross reference, and following the cross reference is another bite. So, CF is is your compare or consult, and VV is just a. a, a Uh, abbreviation for verses meaning there's more than one and then 19 through 21 means we're going to stay in the same chapter but we're going to hop up to verses 19 through 21 so in this case reading this verse in context if we would have read this verse in context if we would have read the entire chapter 3 uh, we would have already read this cross-reference. Reading in context is one of my favorite bites. Uh, again, I loosely define reading in context as reading the chapter before, the chapter, and the chapter after. And if we had done that here, we would have already read verses 19 through 21, which read, um, uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and hop up to verse 16. Verse 16. The light has come into the world, but the people wanted to keep doing things their way. They like the darkness because it hides the evil that they love so much. And in my extensive study this week, I learned that most often God's wrath is not God doing something to people as much as giving them over to what they wanted In the first place, handing people over to the consequences of their own decisions over and over again, God's wrath is shown as honoring people's choices, allowing their inevitable destruction. It's crazy. Do the research with me. Uh, Follow those links. But they uh, proved it over and over in Scripture. And we can see this clearly in another section of scripture, written clear as day in Romans chapter one. It starts like this, Romans 1, 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. All right. So what does God do with this wrath against ungodliness? He really lets them have it. I mean, really, he lets them have what their ungodly lead, un, ungodliness leads to, destruction, Verse 18, again, he uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them up. In the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. God's wrath is a settled response to all that is evil. It demands a response. He just can't sit around and let sin keep us in bondage and kill and destroy any more than a loving father would invite an abuser to move in with him uh, and have free reign in the life of a toddler. And as the Bible Project video on God's wrath says, God is not content to let people sit in their own self-destruction in the Bible. God is on a mission to rescue. In fact, on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Romans five nine says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. And first John four ten says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, propitiation is a big word, and I don't use it every day in my language. I'm not sure about you. So I use the bite of defining the word. I mean, like actual look it up in the dictionary defining. And it means to appease. And when I look it up in the thesaurus, it says some synonyms for the word propitiate include appease, atone, and satisfy. And I cannot say it any clearer than an article from Ligonier.org. So I'm going to read just a, a paragraph out of this to you. It says the Bible explains the cross in terms of both propitiation and expiation, the twin accomplishments of Christ in our behalf. Propitiation He's going to go ahead and define it for us. Propitiation refers specifically to Christ's work of satisfaction of God's righteousness. He pays the penalty for us that is due our sins. We're debtors. We cannot possibly pay the moral debt that we have incurred by our offense against the righteousness of God. And God's wrath is satisfied and propitiated by the perfect sacrifice that Christ makes on our behalf. But that's only one aspect of the work. The second is expiation in expiation, another big word, but he's going to define it here. Our sins are removed from us, remitted by having our sins transferred or imputed to Christ who vicariously suffers in our stead. God is satisfied and our sin is removed for us in the perfect atonement of Jesus This fulfills the dual sense in which sin was atoned for on the Old Covenant Day of Atonement, both by the sacrifice of one animal and the symbolic transfer of the sins of the people to the back of the scapegoat who was then sent into the wilderness, removing the sins from the people. So if you've never done any research or reading in the Old Testament and you read about the Day of Atonement and you read about the sacrifices that are required, you realize that there's a spotless lamb sacrifice. Required and a scapegoat that is sent out into the wilderness, and this is the picture of what God is doing in Christ. So much more to unpack there. Uh, in fact, that that may, may have already just been too much for you to absorb today. You can listen to this episode a couple times. You could use it as a springboard to head into the Old Testament to learn more about the Day of Atonement, especially if you aren't readily familiar with it. But before we close, I wanted to bring in a voice that articulates why someone would disagree with the idea that the wrath of God was satisfied or at least doesn't like the language. Theologian Ian Paul says it this way, The real danger in talking of Jesus satisfying God's wrath is that we separate the actions of the Trinity in the cross, which I'm not sure I agree with, but it's what he's saying. It appears to portray loving Jesus saving us from an angry God who meets out his punishment on the innocent. Instead, we should see in the open arms of Jesus, a welcome by a loving father who no longer counts our sin against us. It is from our sin and its consequences that Jesus saves us rather than from a hateful God. And that I agree. I don't think that God's ra- I don't think that we should be looking at the death of Christ uh, in, that, in, in that way. So remember how we talked about God's wrath being displayed as handing us over to the consequences of our own decisions? Well, think of it this way. God didn't punish his son in order to avoid punishing us. Rather, in Christ, in Emmanuel, in God with us, fully God, fully man, don't forget, in Christ, God absorbed the consequences for the world's evil. Why? Because of his great love for us. He's not waiting for us to slip up so he can apply his wrath. He's waiting for us to stop rejecting him so he can absorb the consequences for our sin himself rather than giving us over to them. So what's next? There are three areas of scripture you can sit in this week. You can meditate on John 3 and all that it teaches and then slip over to Romans 1 and see how the wrath of God is displayed as handing people over to the consequences of their own decisions. You can explore the fine points of the Day of Atonement prescribed in Leviticus 16. And then finally, delve into what Scripture has to say about Christ's propitiation in 1 John. And if I've piqued your interest at all, consider hopping over to the show notes and exploring some of the links that I used to prepare for this week. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at com. Hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook. Uh, michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with New Release Today. Head over to newreleasetoday.com to take advantage of all things Christian music, from lyrics to reviews and more. And if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, my personal 30-Day Music Challenge, I highly recommend it. The challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days. You're never too late to jump in. Just submit your name and email address at michelleknizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge, and you're in. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers to my website. People like Mary from Georgia and Lynn from Oklahoma, April from Louisiana, Nick from the UK, Paul from Missouri, Carolyn from Australia, Christina from Ohio, Leanne from Tennessee, and Zach from Kenya welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bytes. This is a really great place to start. But you also benefit from that email that I send once a week, I've already mentioned, where you get a memory verse resource, uh, you get an email recap of the week's episode, and all the live links um, to all the uh, resources I use to, to prepare the episode, and then instant access to any of the special resources that I create for some of my episodes. All of that is just my way of saying, Thank you for listening. So head over to MichelleNeesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review for the podcast yet? It encourages me and it helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Just like HGJ, who writes, amazing and powerful. First time listening to this podcast and I loved it. Good to listen to while doing the dishes or when busy with other things and still hear God's word and uplifting music. I agree. I love that you do that. Um, And CL Pro 1974 writes, absolutely wonderful podcast. I love that this podcast has me actually reading my Bible. The song part is what got me hooked because I started listening to a couple of Christian music stations. I love to learn more about what inspires songs I listen to or the artists. I found this uh, during these trying times of COVID, listening to positive messages helps me stay positive too. Happy listening. So thanks to both of you for your kind reviews and giving future listeners an idea of what you like best about the podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to leave a review yet, just go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song and the links are all right there. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michelleknizat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Rattle by Elevation Worship to jump into Scripture. Several people have requested this one, and most recently, Bobby, a new listener, sent me a request for this one, so I can't wait to use it to inspire us to read God's Word. So if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash Four hundred, And then while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.